0: Hello, ladies and gentlemen. It's your number one all-time favorite best friend, Andy Maskey, from, of course, somewhere in Ohio. And uh, today, I have an interesting episode for you guys planned. Um, If you're a fan of the last episode, you'll probably like this one less, because it's more just me talking about stuff. But if you're bored and you have uh, nothing better to do over the next 20, 30 minutes, then... Come enjoy, partake of my knowledge. I don't, I don't know if this is really knowledge. It's more opinion and experience. Just, just come on, pull up a chair and en- enjoy our time. Um, God blessed me with a snow day, and that's, and God blessed you too because that's why. Why you're getting this? I had originally planned on doing an episode over the weekend, and then. That didn't happen, and then a snow day happened, and I figured, you know what, somewhere in Ohio needs an episode two. So I reached out to uh, those in Instaland and social space, and I-, I asked, what do you want me to talk about? And all, all three of you who listened to the show responded and said, a multitude of things, and so I'll be covering some of them. I won't be covering everything because that would just be would just be too much for you guys. I don't want to overwhelm you with the wide variety of too much. So, the the first topic that we'll be talking about today is brought to you by all the weird Jedi imposter, as you may know him, out on social uh, social waves waves. This might be a little too stupid. Let me let me get serious here. First subject is uh, Godzilla vs. Kong. And I assume he's talking about the upcoming hit film brought to you by Adam Wingard and Legendary Pictures. Um, so I'm excited about it. I'm excited for it. I'm excited to see what happens. It looks absolutely incredible. Just yesterday no just sunday we got a new little sneak peek for it everything i'm seeing i'm enjoying i really don't care what they do with it i don't want to have any like preconceived notions or i don't know any anything i want them to do i just want to see where they take it cuz it looks like it'll be absolutely incredible we get kong we get Godzilla, we get those bat things, we get Mecha Godzilla? Question mark, which is like, yes, it's Mecha Godzilla is coming. I mean, that's super exciting. Um, I'm a, I was a big fan of like the all the MonsterVerse movies. <laughs> I was going to say like the last few, but honestly, I love them all, but especially, especially the last few. Man, this is really just ramblings today i I hope you're liking it this this is what you guys wanted you could have given me real topics but nope nope this is this is what we're talking about today guys so on the subject of godzilla versus kong gets brought up are you are you team godzilla are you team kong i get people asking me constantly badgering me what are you tell us just tell us fine fine i at first, I wasn't going to say it, but I'm sorry. I'm Team Kong. Skull Island just won me over, and I'm Team Kong. I'm sorry if this disappoints any of you, but it is what it is. And I'm Team Kong, and I'm I'm Team Kong for life. At least for this movie. You know, we're talking original Godzilla vs. Kong, you know. I'm Team Godzilla, because, I mean, come on. Anyways. That's that's the first thing. That's our first little little segment. And now, also brought to you by All the Weird, is cool places to visit in Ohio, which is a question or like a, a suggestion I probably should have taken a little bit more seriously. But instead, um my suggestion for any of you wanting to visit the great state of Ohio, if you're just passing through, via I-90, stop by in Ashtabula at the Ashtabula Town Center, which is undoubtedly the weirdest mall I have ever been to, ever. And probably will be, ever. I think it's an absolute that that's the weirdest mall ever. Do you feel safe? Sometimes. It's not like you're gonna get, like, mugged, maybe. There's not enough people there for you to get mugged. This mall features no anchor stores you know you don't like those big department stores telling you what to buy at what price don't worry there aren't any of them but what you do have is a radio shack a radio shack i thought they closed all of them but you know apparently not there's one (laughs) in ashtabula town center uh there's a gun store I, I don't remember the actual name of it, but hey, they sell guns in a mall. Ashtabula. Uh, there's an antique store in the mall. I think it's called the Curiosity Shop. It's a really cool place. I could spend a lot of time there, and I have spent a good amount of time there. Um, no anchor stores, but there is urgent care, you know, in case you break your leg. There's an urgent care. University Hospital's urgent care attached to the to the mall, because nothing says shopping, like sick people, and I don't know. Uh. Oh, wait, oh, there's this, like, homemade, <laughs> homegrown GameStop, like, ex- if you know Northeastern Ohio, well, I guess it's not just Northeastern Ohio, but if you know, like, The Exchange, or it's, like, a GameStop, where it's, like... They sell video games, movies, and like, it's more of a buybacks, you know, that used to be, used to be a thing, rest in peace, buybacks, you are a real one. Um, this place is just so bizarre, I was there over this weekend, I, it's sort of a, uh, a thing I do where I go out to Ashtabula, which isn't that far from where we live, you know, somewhere in Ohio, and we... I drive out there and I go to this mall and I just feel uncomfortable for like 45 minutes to an hour, you know, just looking around and it's not really uncomfortable. I'm sort of, I'm joking around here. It's just, it's just a weird vibe. And it was such a weird vibe around Christmas because it's this, it's this glorious mall that was built in the nineties. That's not huge. It's nothing gigantic, but it's, it's, it shows what, you know, the glories of like the mall used to be. But it's just empty for the most part, except for a few stores. There's like a Bath and Body Works, too, I want to say. There's like a few stores you may know, and then a few takes on stores that you may know. There's like a Joanne Fabrics in the mall, which is just bizarre. There's, you know, there's a few places you might know, but it's just, it's so empty. I've never seen a lot of people in there the stores are frequently closed when it seems like they shouldn't be it's it's just a really really weird place oh also if you're hungry go someplace else because there's only one one food vendor in the food court it's just it's just empty besides one like knockoff uh, Auntie Anne's pretzel place and there's a Mexican restaurant attached to the mall that I've not worked up the courage to eat at yet. It's just, it's such a weird place, weird vibe. And then there's what, when I go there and then there's like some thrift stores around Ashtabula that I, I frequent that, you know, you can find some pretty cool stuff at that. That's sort of my little Ashtabula loop, you know, go up and then see the lake, which I could Drive five minutes and see the lake. I don't know why I go up to Ashtabula to do so. Great library that I was finally able to visit. You know, go visit Ashtabula. It's the the Appalachia of northeastern Ohio. So take that as what you will for fun time to visit. Next topic, favorite restaurants. This was suggested to me by my dad, Matsky Mark on Instagram. My favorite restaurants, in no particular order, are Swenson's, which is a chain down in uh, Akron that serves burgers and fries. Amazing place. Highly recommend it. Just make a trip down. You won't, you won't regret it. Um, also, a place I really enjoy near Akron is Fisher's in Peninsula. Um, if you're ever in Peninsula... In the national park in Kaga Valley National Park, I would highly, highly recommend stopping at Fisher's. Great food, great Reuben there. Um, it's a frequent stop of the STM crew. You know, maybe you'll, maybe you'll find us there. You no know, planning, a little, little next step in STM. I don't know. Um, not Chick Fil A. I can tell you that much of favorite restaurants I've had. Very bad experiences with Chick-fil-A, like eating it and then feeling very sick and then becoming very sick multiple times. I should have learned my lesson after, you know, puking it up once. But no, it was, it's been twice and then almost a third time. Man, if you like Chick-fil-A, you do you. But I'm going to stick far away from it. Far, far away from it. Um, another great place to eat? Is not around Akron. Uh, it's Charlie the Butchers. It's a place in Buffalo, New York, and there might be other places, but they serve beef on weck there. That is just, just to die for. I've I've been there quite a few times. My aunt and uncle used to live up in Buffalo, and we'd stop there all the time. It's amazing. Highly recommend it it's just it's just crazy and if you have the opportunity to have beef on weck anywhere else it's probably going to be amazing beef on weck's you know beef on a weck roll and wecks like this salty bread yeah let let me google it cuz i feel like i'm not doing this doing this justice at all so, while I'm Googling stuff, allow me to just... Okay, here it is. Beef on Wek is a sandwich found primarily in western New York State, particularly in the city of Buffalo. It is made with roast beef on a kum, kumowek roll, a roll that is toasted with kosher salt and caraway seeds. Kum, kumow, kumow, kumowek. Kumow. Let me, let me figure this out. This is a little journey we're going on together. Kumowek roll. Okay, it's not working. It's a weird spell. It's a salty, salty roll with roast beef. It's just, it's so good. It is. I want to drive to Buffalo right now and, and get one. But it's snowing and I can't. Our next suggestion is tips on cinematography. And that's from Sydney. And... I sort of feel like I may not be qualified to give, you know, some tips on cinematography, but, you know, I have a little experience under my belt. And on IMDb, it says cinematographer by my name, which is cool. So here's my tips. Um, my expertise is in documentaries and in the cinema verte style, which is, you know, rough. <laughs> and but you can make your frame, you know, you can make what you you film look good fairly easily, especially if you're shooting in gorgeous locations. But it it doesn't necessarily have to be that way. Um this summer I was I filmed two documentary projects back to back and it was it was really interesting seeing The differences in the two, because I shot both with Small Town Monsters. I was a cinematographer on both um, On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey and The Mark of the Bell Witch. And we shot those about a month apart. And what I noticed in, in the difference in the two was one in On the Trail of Bigfoot, The Journey, the crew, the people involved were equally a part of the story. And like what I needed to film as the people we like met along the way, like the people we interviewed. Um, and so when I would try to f- frame a shot or when I, you know, would be looking for shots, you know, we're basically filming constantly the second we get out in the woods. But when I was looking for a shot, it could be anywhere, anything and needed to include Seth, my dad, Adam, Alex. It needed it to include them. Because if they weren't there in all the shots, it just wouldn't feel the same, you know? You wouldn't feel like the crew is involved with the story, and I've been watching rough cuts of the journey for about a couple weeks now. And, you know, seeing Seth as a part of this is really important to to the story, not to spoil too much with it not being out yet. But then you go to, like, then you look at, how we filmed Mark of the Bell Witch, which there were, you know, is it's more of a typical small town monsters documentary and more of a typical documentary, you know, with interviews and just trying to literally, you know, document the location with the crew not being a part of it. But we did have several times where we went out in the woods and, you know, were sort of not really investigating, but we're getting to these like more historical places, like when we visited John Bell's grave, and we were when we were out there, you know, you're you're trying to film these these researchers, these investigators, these historians who are taking to the, to these places, but what I had to to do, and this isn't really a tip, this is more just a big big rant, was I had to consciously make sure I framed like Seth or Zach out of the shot. And that might be simple. And this, again, we'll get to the tips in a second. This is just my little anecdote, but it was, it was a big step to go from filming the journey where it was like, if we were out there in the woods with someone and Seth was also filming and I was filming, I'd sort of frame, you know, shots, not constantly. I wasn't like a hard rule, but like I would have, you know, the investigator people in like two thirds of the the left end of the shot, and then I'd have Seth, you know, n- neatly framed on the right hand, and it'd be like, that's how it is. And that's how we shot the the B camera for all the interviews, was so that Seth would be there, you know, because Seth is, you know, the, the main person the story, overarching story, is told through. But for Mark the Bell Witch, that's not how it was. And I think that's something that if you're filming a documentary... How are you going to tell your story? And that's, is it going to be the people telling you the story? Are you going to be telling the overarching story directly, you know? And that's up to you. I don't know. I don't know if one's better than the other. I think it it definitely depends on your your project because I don't think, you know, it works. It's, you should keep that in mind there as I like stumble all over this. You should keep that in mind what's right for your project and what's not. Now, to actual tips, I uh, at least on the journey, I sort of lived by the rule of thirds, which is really simple. I don't think I need to explain it too much. You know, like that. Make sure when I'm framing things, that they either like line up with one of those lines, or the majority of things are in inside that, or that they. I'm explaining this very poorly because I'm. It's hard to explain a visual thing with the words, <laughs> but, you know, make sure, like, say a tree lines up with one of the vertical lines and that there's an opening in the trees and like the left hand cube. Man, this is difficult. Anyways, I hope you're understanding. I lived and by the rule of thirds, especially since I was just trying to get as much footage as possible and i encourage you to do the same especially on documentaries you want more footage than less footage and that can be difficult when you're on a on a shoot like the journey was where we were on the go constantly and you need to remind yourself that like th- this is stuff that needs to be documented that needs to be filmed so when you know it gets brought up in, in the film, there's something to be seen. And that's sort of, that's something you need to do constantly. Um, also, like with, when I thought of this, like cinema, like my tips on cinematography, this may be like really simple. And so if I'm, I'm coming off as like condescending or just being stupid, I'm sorry. But it's not just about keeping your subject in frame. It's, about what that frame is even if if that's like out of focus I think that's like very important and I think that's something that like regardless of what you're shooting because I feel like all of this sort of documentary cinema verte advice can be applied to things like you know if you're if you're vlogging if you want to start a little internet vlog this is very applicable because they're they're similar you know how they get put together and packaged up is different, but how you shoot them is, you know, sort of similar. Um, But it's not about what, like, just having your subject in frame, and, like, you need to keep them in frame, you know, the majority of the time if they're, like, talking or things like that. But if there's something cool behind them, people really like having something interesting to look at in the frame besides just the person, no offense to your subject, you know, but like, if you have something cool that's just slightly off frame, it's, it's very distracting, at least to me, because you have like your subject, and then if you have like a beautiful mountain behind them, but the person standing right in front of the mountain, you're like, dang, I wish I could see what that mountain looks like, but if you just moved the camera a little to the right or you took a step to the left you could get it you could get it all in frame and that's just a, a much better shot sort of to wrap this all up my little rant on cinematography and mumbling and stumbling over what I'm trying to say is something that really you should that was like impressed on me not even through like shooting stuff but through just watching movies and like learning about them is, remember, I learned about this thing in a class in high school. I sound like I'm out of high school, but I learned about this in a class last year, a film and lit class was mise en scène, more French terms, which is, forget exactly what it means, but basically what it says is, can you get all that you need to from the story, like, from just the picture? And sort of what I want to boil that down to is, when you're filming, can you get all the information you need to from like one screenshot of your footage and it doesn't need to be like crazy good but like at least all the information about the shot from one screenshot of your footage like of your of your clip what you're filming I mean even if that's like I guess that's sort of like bad (laughs) it's sort of bad advice but it's like and there are some exceptions, you know, like, that, that doesn't say you can't, like, pan away from your subject ever. You know, if, like, there's something that grabs your attention and you want to, like, try to film it. But can you, can you screenshot it and it look cool? Like, at basically any moment. That's, that's my little diatribe on cinematography. Um, my dad asked for money saving tips which i feel like was just a jab at me uh just don't spend as much money as you would if it's a lot ask yourself hey is this a lot of money and if you say yeah then just don't buy it dog just don't do it just don't but also that that's what my notes say and i don't i don't understand Oh, and you don't need what's cool to be cool. Don't think you gotta buy what Flava Flav is saying is the hottest stuff. You know, buy what you think is the hottest stuff. And if people don't like it, then that's their issue. You do you, dog. You do you. Please, I'm begging you. Don't don't listen to them haters. You got this. Yeah. Okay, so my dad also asked for music recommendations. I Think that was him. Hope that was him. And you know, it's it's kind of funny that he asked for this because that's originally what episode one of the show was gonna be was me talking about like the top albums of 2020 that I liked while it was still relevant. and that would also then give me more time to work on what episode one turned out to be and i was just like nah i'm gonna talk about night siege and paranormal now and i just recorded it and so i'm not gonna do my top albums of 2020 so i was gonna do top 10 and then it became name top or name 10 albums i listened to in 2020 like from 2020 and that just became increasingly difficult um but I made a playlist for this episode of music recommendation. So I wasn't just l- listing songs, I made a little little vibey playlist for y'all. It's linked in the show notes description, whatever you want to call it. I hope you enjoy it. It's called Somewhere in Your Eardrums cuz I'm real good at coming up with names for playlists. Um I hope you enjoy it. It's really random. Like let's let's check out the playlist. It's I know there's like some 70s rock on there. I know um there's some like 90s rock. It's mostly rock music and then like a little little funk thrown in. Got a little bluegrass action. It's I literally just threw songs on a playlist and I hope you like it. I'll I'll maybe update this playlist as as I feel like it cuz I sort of feel like it needs a little bit of work. So if you want to check in back on somewhere in your eardrums in the in a later date, by all means. Um, Sydney also asked for overrated and underrated cinema. And that is going to be an episode of its own. I feel like, because I feel like I could just, that's its own episode of just ranting and, and just me mumbling about what I think of movies to myself, and also I feel like it I want to do like a little more research than just what comes off the top of my brain because I mean, I did think of like overrate the thing that like popped in my mind when I thought of overrated movies was Marvel movies and Chris Nolan movies, and I just feel like that's that should be its own show and underrated I really don't know like. I, I don't feel like I'm, I'm, like, cool enough to know anything that's, like, underappreciated that I think's, like, some, like, masterwork of cinema. Um, I watched a movie, like, last summer, two summers ago, that was, like, Tower Records or something. That movie was, like, really good. And I, I remember talking about it with, like, a friend of mine being like, this was really good. And they're like, yeah, it was. Uh, that movie's pretty good. I'm trying to think of other movies that i feel like people don't know see i promise i prepared for this but i feel like i should like as a cool cinema kid i should be able to like list a few but i just don't princess mononoke is not underrated at all but i i watched it last night and it was just so so good oh here's underrated cinema cool hand luke I'm pretty sure it won an Oscar back in the day for something or like won enough awards. So it was appreciated in its time, but I don't hear anyone from like my generation talk about it probably because they don't care because why would we watch it? But I've watched it two or three times and I love it. I love it so much. If it's sort of like early stages of the anti-hero in movies, Paul Newman's is the lead of, you know, the salad dressing, and it's so good. It is so good. This just popped in my mind, and I'm so happy about it. Cool Hand Luke, check it out. It's on Netflix, I'm pretty sure. Go watch it right now. You will thank me. You will go, Andy, thank you. Thank you. You. My life has been changed forever by Cool Hand Luke, and I'll say that's, that's just what it's about. Am I going to summarize the movie? a little it's about a man in a prison camp in like the south and that's all i'm gonna tell you and it's so good because that's all i remember except and then he goes on the run he breaks out of prison he's on the run for a little bit that's a mild spoiler but it's like not it's so good it's it's gorgeous looking it is awesome 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 movie i'm just gonna say it's great and that I I know that's what people want out of recommendations. They don't want reasons why it's great. They don't want you know a valid explanation. They just want someone repeatedly saying good things about the movie. So Cool Hand Luke, check it out. Maybe I'll do an episode about it. Maybe I won't. Um. That's about oh book recommendations. Book recommendations was another thing Sydney asked for. Um. Well, I've been reading this book called Frauds, Frauds, Myths, and Mysteries by Kenneth Fetter, and it's really good. It's kind of, I think most people think it's boring now. It's really well written. It's about, like, well, let, let's, just, let's just read what it says. Um, uh, the stone sentinels of Easter Island are asen- emblems of mythology and mystery conjured by the human past. Were these enigmatic sculptures built by the residents of a lost continent? Did the sculptors use technology processes unknown to modern artisans? Do the stones signify? I cannot read well. Signify contact between ancient peoples and extraterrestrial visitors? Or were they simply the byproduct of human ingenuity and labor? Kenneth Fetter addresses questions such as these in this entertaining and informative exploration of fascinating frauds and genuine mysteries. Through well-known or well-chosen examples, he demonstrates what is and what is not. The scientific method in the process, he clearly conveys why the the veritable past is as exciting and intriguing as the fantasies concocted by the purveyors of pseudoscience. And it is so good. He spends the first few chapters just talking about the process of science, and it's absolutely fascinating because it's something that sort of brought to my attention is that, you know, science isn't just coming up with with theories and data, there's also, you know, creativity involved with how people come up with these things and interpret things. It's so good. He talks about if you're interested in in mysteries of the world and like specifically ones in archaeology, which is, you know, what the book's about, I would highly recommend it because he does a great job of explaining that you know his basic thesis is most of these mysteries quote-unquote mysteries are just people who don't know what they're talking about and i like that and there's more to it there's more to it he's less dismissive than i make him sound but it's really good i'd really encourage you to pick it up um i've been reading that and i'm trying to think what else i've been reading Oh, I'm about to start reading some classic Sasquatch literature, such as uh, The Best of Sasquatch Bigfoot um, by John Green. Uh, Sasquatch Bigfoot. (laughs) Man, these titles, am I right? Um, By Hunter and DeHinden and The Locals by Tom Powell, because I sort of want to do some research before uh, I head out west. And, um, that's about it. I hope you enjoyed the show. I hope it wasn't absolutely terrible. Um, I'm gonna go now, and I hope you have a great day, great evening, great week, great month, and so on. From somewhere in Ohio very snowy Ohio, I'm Andy Matske. Oh well, there's there's the moon.